Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner and CEO of Cordell and Cordell. We continue to do this twice every week, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce and all things related to family law with some tips, some education, some ideas, and really just giving you our experience from uh, attorneys of Cordell and Cordell around the country. And today is no different. And as always, once you know that this is an attorney-client relationship, it can't be. We want to do a, a consult with you, and we can't give you legal advice either. So give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW or find us on the web at CordellCordell.com. And don't forget uh, to register and to make sure you sign up for the uh, podcast. You'll get alerted every time we drop a podcast, which is twice every week. So subscribe and uh, you'll get the contact that you want and the information you need. So let's get started today. We're joined by Jessica up in New Hampshire. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming back on the program and good to have you. And let's talk about something which obviously we're kind of hitting into areas we've never really touched over the last 18 months, and that is testimony. You know, it's a, I think it's confusing. Uh, I was just in court via Zoom uh, this week, and I, I mentioned the word testimony to the client, and the client said, well, what do you mean, testimony? What does that mean? What do I have to do? And so I think it's confusing, and I think it's appropriate to talk about what it is and perhaps in New Hampshire what the rules are. So maybe start with that and kind of there's this thing called rules of evidence and what is you know what is expected from the judge's perspective and what should clients know about testimony sure absolutely so new hampshire really takes a stance that anything in a family law case is what we call relative so something that has to do with mom dad especially if there's minor children they're going to let a lot of things in other states are really specific about the rules of evidence making sure it's admitted properly that only certain things are spoken about but New Hampshire really doesn't apply the rules of evidence too heavily in the courtroom. At a final trial, they try to make it more formal, but they're going to let you talk about your case. So when you talk about testimony, you know, if you're the dad, your dad, your story is gonna be the story about you and your kids, about your property. And your attorney's job is to help you get your words across to the judge so the judge knows what orders they're making and what you're looking for. Yeah, I think that's so key, even here in Missouri, where you have the very relaxed rules as it relates to orders of protection, where, you know, hearsay, you know, things that are going to come in and the judge is going to let it go, um, where they get a little bit more technical uh, and by the law when it comes to temporary hearings and even finals. And, but I think, as you, you say, it's very important to get the story across, but it's more important to sit down with your lawyer before you go to court and frame your story. You know, it is, I was talking to a law student the other day, and I said, you know, being a lawyer is about being a storyteller. Whether you're in family law or civil litigation or criminal law, you're telling a story. And so I think you would agree, you gotta sit down with your lawyer and frame your story so you can be able to tell it accurately, efficiently, and directly. Absolutely. So one of the first things I do as a client and I, we're going to head to a temporary hearing or we're going to head to a final hearing. Temporary hearings in New Hampshire, we do what we call offers of proof where your lawyer testifies for you. But if you go to a final hearing, the judge needs to hear from the parties. So I sit down and I say, just we're going to tell you a little bit about you and you're going to have a conversation with me. So I always tell my clients, just look at me talk to me and I'm going to ask, what is your name? Where do you live? And get you going. Um, clients, I think, are very hesitant to testify because it's scary. But when they realize that they're just telling their story and I'm going to help them tell their story, it's a lot easier to have that conversation. Um, so that's called direct testimony, where they're telling their story from their direct perspective. 
Yeah, I mean, it is. I, I always say, look, we're just having a conversation, just like you and I are having a conversation about it. And it becomes comfortable. It becomes natural. It's not scripted. And, you know, the point is, is I always say, look, if we're not hiding anything, then we have nothing to worry about. And if exactly. we tell the truth and tell the story from our perspective, and the, you know, sometimes perception isn't reality, and but it is your story and your perception of the story, and so long as it's not, tr you know, untruthful. So we talk about evidence, and I know I mentioned that earlier. The rules of evidence, you know, it, it can become really technical, and the, and the question becomes is what do you need to prove your story? And so maybe we talk a little bit about that. Sure. In my experience in New Hampshire, they prefer more talking and less documents. So unless you have something that you need to prove your case that you're being told, no, it's it's going to be X amount and that's the truth, but you have a paper that says, no, it's really Y. So if it's really Y, you bring that in. You bring that in to give your testimony what we call credibility, right? So something that you have that shows that you're telling the truth about something in dispute is a good exhibit. Something that you don't really need, a picture of your child, it's cute, it's nice, but it's not a necessary exhibit that the judge knows exactly what your child looks like. So we have to, we walk a fine line by not overwhelming the courts with exhibits, plus not overwhelming yourself with testimony. So for everything that you bring into court, you have to testify as to what it is and why you want it in the court record. And then your lawyer has to introduce it as an exhibit. So depending on the complexity of the case, we keep it simple. You know, is this something necessary to prove your case or is this something that the judge just needs your opinion on? Um, so we, we try to keep that really narrow. The less you complicate your case, the better orders you're going to get. The judges are human. They hear cases all day, every day, the telephonic, the WebEx, it's a little overwhelming. So if I'm a client that has 10 issues, we're gonna settle some of them, if it makes sense, and really concretely and concisely explain through testimony what we need from the judge. Yeah, you know, I just did a podcast this week with Kellen, our attorney in Chattanooga, and we were talking about uh, being truthful with your lawyer. Uh, no smoking guns, and that's huge. And, and it's this doctor-patient versus attorney-client relationship that sometimes, oftentimes, is different, and it shouldn't be. You should be looking to your lawyer like you would your doctor, and that is, I'll go in and uh, my leg hurts, and I will tell them I also have the sniffles. You know, if something doesn't feel right, you say something and and that's the way it should be in family law you don't want these surprises in court so you want to be you know upfront with your attorney about the things that they may not matter to you but they may may matter a whole lot to your attorney right correct correct it's extremely important i mean well ahead of any trial or final hearing you're going to have lots of conversations with your attorney we have many opportunities to confess anything that needs to be talked about However, there are no smoking guns when it comes to trial, especially in New Hampshire. There's no trial by surprise. Everything has to be what we call properly pled, properly disclosed or excluded from final trial. Um, so it makes these trials a, a lot easier. Um, one of the things people get nervous about is cross-examination. So we, we look at, wow, some other attorney is gonna drill me. And, and I always relax the clients. It, it's really not as, as Perry Mason as you think it's going to be. Um, we know everything they're going to present because we have their exhibits. I prepare my client by looking at those exhibits and what do we get out of their, those exhibits as well. So when I talk with a client about cross-examination, I say, remember my job is to tell your story. So remember my job is to help correct your story. So when they do cross-examination, I ask them to listen to the other attorney answer concisely and move on. If the other attorney is is uh, not bright enough to not open a 
answer, uh, ask an open-ended question, then I let my client talk. Tell your story again. But if you're if they're concise, you be concise, or they're just going to keep asking you questions. So it's it's interesting because I practice in federal court, and that's a much that sounds like almost like the federal rules where you have to disclose your witnesses, disclose your exhibits. There are some judges here in St. Louis that don't require that. So it is kind of a trial by ambush. So we do have to be somewhat prepared. And that's why it's even more important to be very direct about what's the worst thing that they're going to say so I can anticipate a witness. But what's really interesting is I try to tell the clients, look, you're not there to prove your case with your testimony. And the reason I say that is that, you know, I'm there to kind of guide you to prove it because I don't want them to feel the, the urge, as you suggest, to say something beyond the question. Like if I say, you know, what's your name? Don't tell me your date of birth, the place you were born, where you went to grade school and high school. And, you know, that's the thing. Everyone has this natural urge to just whether they're comfortable, engage in a conversation, but then they want to win. So they want to prove their case. So stop short. I mean, as you suggest, answer what's there, especially on cross-examination. That way right. you're not going to get caught in a problem, right? Right. And I always encourage clients to help them feel comfortable as long as I know their story, just like you're talking, there's no secrets between client and lawyer, then I'm gonna make you feel comfortable. There's nothing wrong you're gonna say on the stand. Nothing wrong that I'm not going to be able to help the court to understand. So on direct, talk to me. Tell me everything we need to know. On cross, let's let's be very concise. Um, one rule I always give my client, don't explain on cross. Don't go, yes, but, because you're opening the door for more questions. I'm writing down my notes. I know how I wanna clarify that and I get opportunity to redirect and I think that's you know what people don't understand is you know you're not over when your lawyer stops talking to you your lawyer can go back and ask you clarifying questions to help the judge better understand the case yeah totally I mean I think the trap many clients get into is they're very passionate uh, they're very emotional and when challenged by in any way they can be or come across as angry, disrespectful, um, confrontational, narcissistic, whatever it may be. So you've got to maintain composure on the stand. Yeah, and that's a big coaching moment from lawyer and client. One of the biggest things I rehearse is reactions to really, really bad statements about me, about your child, about incidents that have happened and they're, they're not as bad as they sound, but they sound terrible when you talk about them. Um, I always encourage a client to just take a deep breath, stay the course, keep the eye on the prize. We're gonna get in there and get out of there and just stay cool. I always say emotion is acceptable. These are your children, this is your life, this is your family. But explosive just proves the other case. So we stay cool, we stay calm, we explain clearly and concisely, and we help them get back out of the courtroom because this is the day we've waited for. This is the day that nobody really wants, but the day that we've also waited for. So we want to make the best impression that we can by by being the cool, calm, collective team. Yeah. You yeah. can be overcoached and you can be undercoached, and there is a delicate balance. And I uh, a really great example. And if anyone watched the Derek Chauvin trial, which was really a unique, and and the, and the juror nailed it. He said, you know, he showed no emotion whatsoever. It was almost robotic, clinical, very detailed, very uh, logical. And, and that, to me, probably was overcoached, where you know you tell your client not to have these facial expressions or outbursts or 
scoffs or incredulity and instead take notes. And I thought that was a wonderful observation by a juror. Now, the question becomes is how the juror figure that out, you know, because that's an unusual question by a juror. But the point was, is that you can be overcoached. You don't want to be robotic. And so you're on the stand, you're telling something repentant. You want to look at the judge and you want to let the judge understand that you mean it, what you're saying. So that does come into play where you've got to sit down with your lawyer and have a very good conversation about what is expected and what, you know, what you should and shouldn't do. Absolutely. Um, I walk a fine line. You have to know your audience. You have to know your client. I have some clients with a lot of high anxiety that if I give him an outline, he's going to try to memorize it. And that's not going to come across fluid on the stand. So depending on the style of client that I have and their abilities to take an outline for what it is to be able to roll with the punches, if that outline is going to become a Bible for my client, I don't do that. And that's just getting to know your lawyer and getting to know your client. You have to be very empathetic to everybody's position and how they're able to take on how am I going to testify. I have clients that are deer in headlights just thinking about it. So I have to prepare with them very differently than I have someone who's who's very brave and very strong. Yeah. Um, so it is, it's all about how to present. And you don't want to over-prepare. You don't want them to sound like a robot that their lawyer gave them all the answers. Um, but it has to sound genuine and it has to be fluid. And I do always say, if the judge asks you a question, you turn and you ask, you answer. Right. Even if it sounds disrespectful, um, it's not intended. It's just to get the facts out. Um, but yeah, preparing is key. Right, and don't you don't want the perfect answer? You want the you know heartfelt, real answer, and that's the thing is don't overthink it. Correct. Don't think you weaken the team. I was always told that. Just do right. And so anyway, Jessica, that's great stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks for no problem today on the podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. We'll continue to tune in. We're going to do this twice every week. We're going to drop it, and I know there's a topic that will interest you. So go to our YouTube channel. It is filled with information and podcasts just like this, as well as our virtual town halls that we have once every month. If you haven't attended a virtual town hall, it's free. All you got to do, go to the website, register. You can log in for an hour. We have a panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys. The best part about it, you don't not only learn something, but then the second half, you get to log in, ask questions live, and get answers right then and right there. So check it out. It's on CordellCordell.com, the next virtual town hall you want to register, and it's every month. And uh, we'll continue to do that. So until next time, have a great rest of the week.